Hi, welcome to Almost Cooperstown. I'm Mark. And this is Gordon. And we love talking about baseball. So here we are in late August. Uh, the season is more than two-thirds past. And and speaking of passing, unfortunately, one of the great baseball voices and, and, and baseball uh, announcers uh, of all time passed away, Vin Scully, um, just recently. And Vin started as a radio guy. And, and so we were talking about radio as a uh, uh, as, as a way to listen to, obviously, to, to follow a baseball game and how radio, uh, Vin Scully once said, was my associate, was your associate, so that TV requires you to watch the game in a more active way than if you're listening to it on the radio, you can basically do other things and, and still listen to the game and enjoy it. I mean, think way. about when, if, when anybody talks about listening to the baseball game in the radio, they always describe it when they're doing something else. Now, that something else <laughs> might be like, I'm going to sit out on the hammock in the back, you know, drink a beer and listen to the game on the radio. But it's never just listening to the game, whereas you're just going to watch the game. Right. Right. And so uh, there, there's – and because of the nature of the way radio broadcasts, which I didn't realize until you told me, which was originally they would get like the report of the game and then they would just like make up what was going on without really knowing like exactly what had happened. Well, well basically, you know, I, I, I we'll get to when radio really started becoming, you know, popular and then they got it into the World Series. It was uh, Kennesaw Mountain Landis who got them to coverage NBC when they – the birth of radio. So you got to think about baseball was around before there was radio, right? So radio gets born and like, well, what should we put on the radio? What do people want to listen to? Baseball games. But as you said, you know, when they didn't have the ability to broadcast straight from the game, what they would do is they would telegraph, right, the game stats into somebody who would take them and then recreate what was going on as if he were at the game, but he was in some studio in another place. And he'd complete with hitting a pencil against, you know, a wood block to make it sound like a bat hitting. And he would put the crowd noise in there and he would say, and it's a long drive to left. Now he had no idea how deep to left it was. He, all he has on the ticker is the result F seven. Yeah. <laughs> so he, he doesn't even, so, uh, and Ronald Reagan, president Ronald Reagan was one of those guys who did those recreations famously they talked about stuff like that so that was before they could broadcast you know live at games and sort of send those feeds out and that's really when people think of the radio team broadcasters that's ultimately what they're thinking of is you know the guy at the game you know if you're a met fan today you think of howie and wayne at the stadium watching the game calling it as it happened not some guy taking a ticker tape and right. then and, and, and then making it up so um and and again, great things about baseball so we said radio is born so nbc is born mm-hmm. right nbc is born and and cbs is born and and basically in 1927 you know they basically had coast to coast networks that could finally broadcast the world series you know who played in the world series in 1927 would be the yankees that mm. was the famous yankee team in 1927 in, in part adding to the of that team because it was the first it was this incredible 1927 Yankees team we know how famous that team is but then it's also the first team to be broadcast winning the World Series I would imagine would add to the legend even more absolutely it's the first time people can even hear it so Forbes Field um, and we've talked about Forbes Field because it's in was in Pittsburgh. It's where Bill Mazeroski hit the famous uh, World Series winning home run in 1960. And that was the site of the first commercial radio broadcast in 1921, August 5th, 1921. That's that's over 100 years ago we've been having baseball on the radio. And I can tell you for sure, there, I don't know any other sport that basically is covered that way. No. So, I mean, every other sport is on. Because there was no radio before. Like, you can't be before. You can't have the before. I mean, every other sport is on the radio and you know certain ones 
translate better than others, I'd say. Like, the football on the radio is... It's better than not listening to it or better hearing, not, not, being not knowing able, at all. It's better than not knowing at all. But it's really not a great experience. Right, right. Basketball... If you can't, if you couldn't get what, to yeah. it, you know, you, you're in the car, right? And you, you, you would listen to the games, it's football a, it's and hockey, basketball. From what I hear, a lot of people like hockey on the radio. But you know what? Up until the advent of HGTV, there really wasn't much of a difference between watching it on TV <laughs> and watching it on the radio. I think, you know, and, and my dad used to tell me that back in, in the 30s and 40s when he was, you know, a kid, they would have tennis matches on the radio. And so I started thinking about now, how, how would you do tennis on the radio? That's down the line. That's cross. I, I have no idea like how you could actually have a tennis match, but that's how how hard up they were for content that they would try to broadcast everything, you know, anything. Yeah. I mean, you're going to see and, and baseball is just because of the nature right. of the game of baseball. It lends itself to radio extremely well. And and one of the real fun things that is uh, that, that you can do is so after a certain point in the day, the network, some of these big radio networks could broadcast a signal much further uh, after like eight o'clock at night. So if you were driving around the country, you could be in, in Ohio and you're listening to the St. Louis Cardinal broadcast, the radio, local radio broadcast all the way out there because it can travel that far. And it would be really fun, you know, a while ago before you had internet radio, just to pick up a random pro broadcast of some team that you really don't follow and listen to the local guys as you got a three hour drive what a better what better way to, to pass the time and because i mean that's one of the things when you look at radio broadcasts like tv broadcasters can be homers but generally being a homer on your and your team tv broadcasts kind of look down upon it's one of the reasons why the met booth generally gets praised is because they're not like they're homers like every team's announcers are homers but they're generally pretty good at offering equal praise and of other teams and condemnation of the mets bad stuff and when you get the announcers that are just straight only my team is good other team bad on tv it generally isn't great it becomes a very acquired taste and 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 so yeah if you if you look around the the broadcast teams and you're right i think radio broadcasters invariably become more homer oriented because but it's fine nobody cares if your radio broadcast team is a bunch of homers i want my radio broadcast team to be a. and they're normally like at least one ex-player from the organization would be in the booth or not always because the mets don't have that and the yankees don't have that right susan waldman and john sterling that's doing it for doing it for a long time so the 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 tv broadcasts for both have the players actually uh in the booth but a lot of other places you've got eckersley up in boston who i think he's retiring He's retiring, season, yeah. They're devastated. Yeah, yeah. They he's he's a really interesting guy to listen to and, and somebody, um, you know, I, I'd love to have on the podcast, actually. And I, I think there's just something about the way that because with – I think with the radio broadcast, it's so much more – you're so reliant on the broadcaster to paint the picture of the game and take you on the journey of the game. It's a much more weirdly intimate relationship in a sense. So it makes sense. You kind of want this guy to be a homer because it's like listening to your buddy tell you what's happening at the game. That's what you want. You're not looking at it yourself and getting your objective take on it. And, you know, when you watch, you know, the fly ball that lands on the warning track and the announcer is like, oh, he almost had it there because it's a real Homer broadcast. You're like, no, he didn't. I mean, he, we all saw that. He didn't almost hit a home run. And and Vin Scully was uh, famous for doing the 1986 game six for the Mets. And so he calls it, I think he was calling the TV in that game. But what he did was gets by Buckner 
right? You know, little roller up the first place, like gets by Buckner, um, and the Mets are going to win it. And that's all he said for a minute and 30 seconds. Nothing else was filled. Now, that's a really long time. And so that his ability to not use words in a situation where most every other broadcaster. Especially as a radio broadcaster, because that's your most. Right. And that's where he comes. That's where he like that, That's came what makes from. it more impressive. Because if you're on TV, you know that there's a visual to accompany that. Right, right. So for him to know in that moment that just the and the Mets are going to win it was all he needed to say showed he, he really understood what he was doing. Right. And, and he. So Vin followed Red Barber in New York, and I don't know if you've maybe you've heard that name, but he was a very famous announcer uh, in New York for a long, long time, and was sort of like the the scion, right? So he, it he got like to a, learn at his. I'm feet. just saying, it just that just sounds like a really, really offensively named character in some Barber. weird Western movie. No, <laughs> no, no, no. Red Barber was one of the great, you know, commentators of all time, <laughs> and and Vin learned at his feet, and so Vin Scully, uh, I think, 67 years. So yeah, which, uh, he said he got to start in Brooklyn. So he was right. the Brooklyn Dodger announcer. They moved to Los Angeles. He goes with them. Right. And just keeps calling them for the rest of the time. So, well, and, and what happens is that they, they had won in 55. So they leave in 57. So Vince Scully was there for the 55 series when they won. That's the finally they won. But then they go to LA and they win a lot. And, and just but think about because you have a guy like Vince Scully and so, and a lot of the great radio broadcasters lasted for so long. They, they have these really long story careers. If you were a Dodger fan and an LA Dodger fan, you never heard anybody else ever call a Dodger game. Right. Your whole life. Your whole life. You only ever heard this one guy. And Dodger fans would, you know, look, I lived in LA when I went to school there and Vince Scully obviously was doing the games there then. And it was like, you almost felt privileged to have him as your guy, you know, because he, this guy called Sandy Koufax's stuff, you know, you know, two and two to Harvey Keene, you know, and, and, and Vince Scully's voice just sort of, and, and just a, you know, a, a real, you know, a consummate professional who just managed to never be arrogant in what he did. And I just think that's what made him super special. And it was the thing with Vin is this thing with all really great broadcasters is that they're a broadcaster for that long because they truly just love the game. That's the only reason why you stay the Dodgers radio broadcaster for 67 years is because you just love baseball. And you could always tell that when he was calling the game. And you, you see that with guys like Mike Breen, on when he does it, the basketball games, you, when you get like guys like uh, Gary Cohen, like you can see there in, in even Buck, Joe Buck, when he's calling baseball games, you can really see the love he has for the game in those moments, when right? You get those right. big, exciting moments. And I think that's so important for the broadcaster, especially the radio broadcaster, because you don't have the visual to give the other emotion. You just have their voice to transmit that moment to you. And so I think that that's really what makes it such a, an important part of the game. And, and you know, they, they these guys got more – I remember back in the 80s when the Mets broadcast included Tim McCarver who had – you know, uh, had a nice major league career, the only one of the few guys to play in four decades. So he played in 59 and 80, as well as the 60s and 70s. And, you know, caught Bob Gibson and Carlton and all these guys. But Tim McCarver was a bit of a different analyst on TV because, A, he talked too much for TV even. Um, and his analysis was a little bit, you know, saying that they weren't playing it the right way and calling it. Their, they, he would call out plays in a way that broadcasters didn't do before. You don't see that done so much on the radio side, particularly then or now because of the home aspect of the radio announcer compared right, to the Right, but did, was McCarver liked as the radio guy? He was really good. I I think I would share that with most of so We really liked McCarver until it got to be too much. 
Mm. Until it just was like, okay, enough about every single little thing and making, you know, it, it got to be overkill. Right, right, I think fans tired of it. Right. This there, fan there's a point where like, okay, I like the analytical approach, but you can't sit there and say every single play is bad. Right, right. That, that, that you know, it, it, it was almost like he was trying to show you how smart he was and how he knew more, and he did know more, but it came out after a while, it became tiresome. I right, think that and I, be, I think, you know. yeah. But I, I think that's what really broadcasts are moving more and more towards, because I find this it very interesting. Like, it's always very bizarre to me that, you know, Major League Baseball, it's like, you, you know, what do you do when you're you're putting together your World Series broadcast? Who do you aim that broadcast at? The, the dedicated fan but but you yeah which is what i think most dedicated fans would say but i don't know if fox necessarily agrees with that <laughs> well yeah and I, it, it is always curious to me that they don't do two broadcasts like that they've never nobody's ever tried to like it makes sense why they don't do it because you wouldn't want to spit the views but imagine what a broadcast team could do if they were like okay you were you you guys can broadcast this game with the expectation that everybody knows what you're talking about mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and then you can let the other be like the more like the general or just like hey this is what you throw on at the party for just anybody where they're going to just talk about all the big storylines and stuff so and and i think the the radio guys you know they travel with the team so they get a chance to you know sort of get in there and get stories that i find i really like to hear about what's going on when they're on a road trip uh you know with the team and they, that's they're supposed to come up with that kind of stuff and and the the tv announcers get into that kind of stuff too but i think the radio guys you know have to call the game and so they can't get into it as deeply because you've got to paint the entire word picture when you're doing it on radio radio guys seem to generally get better and more interesting interviews a lot like if you listen to the radio broadcasts you'll actually get a lot of exclusive player sound bites where the players will say sometimes really insightful or like interesting things about like the state of the team or what's been going on and it's like a radio clip that's only played there once and and you know the guys that you know do the, the radios. If you go around the league, you'll see like you know the Angels have Tim Salmon as one of their guys for that. Like okay, you know good Angel ball player, and yeah, it would make sense that he would be somebody that might be right, in yeah, the booth because the fans want to listen to their guy do the game because he's still their guy. He's still there. It's like why like Mets fans like Todd Zeal and the zeal of approval. Right on. Right. On I said why? Yeah, he's come on and done some TV too, but he's also done up a couple radio games, and he's good on the radio from what I've heard. So I, I don't know. I'm looking at the Twins, uh, you know, and they've got uh, Justin Morneau, Roy Smalley played for the Twins. Morneau uh, played USC. for the USC. Latroy Hawkins played for the Twins. Glenn Perkins played for the Twins. No, these are all select games. So it's uh, basically they don't do every they don't game. Do, which makes sense. You, ha- you, you, have, you probably have so many players still living in the area. You, you contract them each for a set number of games per season, and then you don't have to rely on them being there all the time for your broadcasts. But I, I think it's kind of interesting that they have, you know, radio guys like Justin Morneau is your lead guy, it looks like. So that's pretty good for a player to get to, up to, to that. be the lead guys. Usually you have the guy that knows, you know. That, that's like the radio guy and then the player. So, you know, he's there to guide him because some guys just like like I like Carlos Beltran. But he is a disaster on that broadcast. Yeah, I don't know why the Yankees were so intent on having him be a part of it. I mean, like, I get the thinking, like, okay, yeah, he, he, you know, he was going to be a manager. He's probably got a lot of really like insightful things to say about the game. Uh, If they hit the ball and it lands in the field where nobody catches it, then the Yankees will get guys on base. (laughs) 
And and the radio guys they they last a long time. So there was a guy uh, in Detroit for years named Ernie Harwell. You probably Hawk? Harwell. No, that's the Harrelson. Okay. Um, um, Ernie Harwell, and I think he caught games into he called games until he was eighty five years old. I remember Chris Russo getting on the radio going, "Give somebody else a chance, my God, you're eighty five years old. Somebody, you know, maybe you've been there for forty years already. You know, <laughs> Mad Dog going 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 yeah. crazy. But even though you kind of cringe a little bit, you think. Yeah, you know, at some point, you know, you know, look, we've got in New York, we've got Howie Rose, who's in his mid sixties. Howie's great, um, still sounds fantastic. You know, hope he does it for another however many years he wants to do it. But you know, they're trying to groom younger talent to come in because eventually he's not going right. to do it. I, I think really realistically, like the, the issue that you have probably a lot of times when you find the good, like I think this is what the Mets have run into with their radio broadcast. They have their heir apparent already. It's Wayne. Mm-hmm. Wayne Randazzo will be the guy that takes over for Howie. The problem is they found Wayne like five years ago, and Howie's not retiring anytime soon. So you just end up with the same two well, guys. Well, he's doing fewer games now. He's doing fewer and just fewer Just like John games. Sterling isn't doing every, every game and all that. And, uh, you know, it makes it easier. You know, you don't have to travel with the team as much. And you know what? It also lets you then bring it, you know, and if you're smart – you can then bring in players to come in and do those games where you don't have some that, that the more venerated member of your team on there and you get a different, you know, and that's like sort of a reward for the people that listen to the radio broadcast. Right, right. I, it's interesting because it used to be that you had your crew for TV and you had your crew for radio and they would do every game. Like they would never take time off. And and now it's, that's not the way that it is. And because baseball has other games on other platforms, right? You have to listen to the Amazon Prime game. Well, yeah, or, or the, yeah you have the Amazon Prime. So, you you know. You uh, have all these other commentators that are calling games that you've never. Now, that doesn't affect radio as no. much. But if it no. affects the TV broadcast, because the TV broadcast is like, okay, wait a second. You know, this weekend they're going away to San Diego. But the Saturday game's on Fox and the Sunday game's on ESPN. So we're only actually going to call one game. Of that series. It's kind of annoying for the team, especially. Right. And it just never used to be that way. And, and, a marathon, the, and the literally. other thing that I was going to say is it's a lot easier to be the everyday TV and broadcast guy when you play the vast majority of your games all within the same area. Because you didn't have interleague play. And so you would only you would play even more games against your division. So you probably only had so many games where you'd actually go out to the West Coast. You'd have like maybe two, maybe three West Coast trips a year. And the rest of the time you're just playing in, you know, if all you're doing is just driving between Philadelphia, New York, you know, Miami and that you're just going up and down the eastern seaboard. It's not that bad. So do you ever um, find yourself in a situation? I I find I listen to a lot of games because if I'm traveling someplace by car or by train and and I know the games are on, I will put in my headphones and go on the MLB app and listen. That's the convenience of radio for me is that I am in a situation where I cannot watch the game, but Mm -hmm. I would still like to be involved in it. Now, that doesn't happen that much for Mm -hmm. me most Mm -hmm. of the time. Games are on at night, and I'm usually home by then, so I'm almost always watching them at home, and I'm not driving around on, like, the weekends when mm-hmm. they're playing the afternoon games a lot. But I would say that, like, that, that is the really convenient thing about radio is now, especially with all the apps, flip on the app, radio app on your phone, you've got the game in your pocket now, wherever you go. And because there's 162 games in a, in, a, in a Major League Baseball season, right, it can't be compared to listening to 17 NFL football games or even 82 NBA games yeah, or, I, or NHL games. I don't think any – there are very few baseball fans, I think, that would say, no, I am, I am as good as my team. 
162 games, I'm there for every single there are, one. There are crazy fans there are, like that. There are fans <laughs> like that, but I, I think even the most dedicated of fans have their off days. Some of it's just because you have stuff to do. But I, I know fans that like to listen to the radio broadcasts better than even the TV broadcasts, or they prefer the game on radio in general because they just like baseball on the radio. I, I think, yeah, and I think it really depends on what I'm doing. The, the, what I always love about the radio broadcast is what Vince Scully said. It's the flexibility. that I want to do something else flip the game on the radio you know i'm at work i want to listen to the game i can't watch the game i'm at work but i can put on the radio broadcast and just listen to the radio broadcast while i go same as listen it's like listen to a podcast Mm -hmm. so i I think that's really the appeal of 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 radio and the the versatility of it why i don't think it'll ever really go away well and it was so ingrained right because from the time radio started there was n- the first television broadcast didn't happen until August of 1939. So you had all these years where you had radio, and and so it, it, habits were ingrained. Yes, behaviors were sort of solidified because people got used to listening to the game on the radio. And I guess they were listening to NFL games when they could do that on the radio as well. Um, there wasn't an NBA. The NHL was around, but I don't know how much there were. You know, broadcasting much, yeah, hockey games. You know, you know, in, in yeah. North America. So baseball got such a far lead in, and, and, in being in the. And psyche I know that, that I'm way. probably uniquely predispositioned to be biased towards hockey on the radio because I listen to a lot of the Michael K show, and you've got Don Lagreca who does the radio for the Rangers, so you hear him talk about that all the time. So I hear about hockey on the radio far more than the average person. Right, and so when once once baseball got to TV, um, you know, and you you would try to watch your team when they would televise it, but they didn't televise every game if you were following your local team, right? So you would still flip back to radio if, in fact, they didn't cover the game that night. So, so there was a time like, oh, yeah, they're only covering like two games on the road trip or something like that. And like You have to turn into this other game on the radio. Like, I remember, God, I remember when I was a kid, we would get the paper, and in the paper, <laughs> they would have what radio stations the games were being broadcast oh, yeah. on you would never get that today no no and and it's and it was important to you know be to know to follow your team because you really wanted to, to and of course you know a lot of us grew up like i i grew up after the invention of the transistor radio which came out in the late 50s but there were nights when I was a kid that I went because everybody tried to do it with the transistor under the pillow, listening to the game, hoping your parents didn't come into the bedroom to catch you listening. They always to the catch game. you. Yeah, I, I got caught. I, it wasn't as cool as, as you kind of thought because it was kind of hard to hear, and the thing was uncomfortable under your pillow. And after after a while, but I so I didn't do it like some people. They went to sleep every night with the baseball game, you know, listening under under the pillow with the transistor, or carrying it around with you with the string earpiece plug in, listening, to, 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 listening. You gotta hear it. It's just, the only way. Just the one thing, and and people would you know we, we'd be walking around and and a good play, and everybody would f- you know uh, fist pump, pump at yeah. the same time because this, everybody listened to the same play at the same time. That that's really kind of a fun yes. thing. Yeah, a camaraderie of listening to the broadcast. Right, you know together. what everybody else is listening to yeah. by the way they're reacting, and so. Yeah, I, I think, you know, we've been lucky, like we say, as Met fans, because we've had um, really good radio. I mean, Bob Murphy, um, and and Murphy was, you know, one of the great radio broadcasters of all time. And, you know, aside from his uh, sport coat wear, like Lindsey Nelson, the original, you know, trio that did the Mets, Bob Murphy ended up going on radio because I think he used to say he had a face made for radio. And never a good thing. Never, <laughs> never thing you really want to be saying. <laughs> but you know, Bob Murphy's work picture for the for the Mets. It's a the high puffy clouds and and just, just that's describing that's what that's that. what radio is about. It's about painting the word picture, and that's why I think it fits so well with do, like 
like to me, it's always just like I'm always envisioning myself like sitting outside listening to the baseball game, like sipping on a drink, right? Like enjoying a really nice day. And like, the Yankees are wearing their pinstripe, you know, black with their black belts, and, and you know, you can see it because you've seen it right, so many right, times, right? Right. And you imagine trying to call games before you had player uh, names on the back of the uniforms, right? So you had to really study as a broadcaster, you know, the team to make sure you had number 19 and the Yankees still don't have names on the back of the uniforms. So, but for years, very few teams did. It took a long time for that, that to change. And I'm sure the broadcasters were really happy when they had things. Granted, it's probably not too easy to see the player names on the back of the jerseys from all the way up at the broadcast booth. <laughs> but, you know, it, it, like, like all of us, right? You know, you get into the playoffs in the World Series and, and there's only one broadcast. And so that's really weird to me when you get then because for radio well no 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 mlb doesn't allow the local broadcast no 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 Uh, so only mlb can put it up so you get smoltz on the radio he'll do the playoff games at least at the local radio i I don't understand right but that's true in basketball too right so they they basically the national contract takes over for all the leagues including basketball and it's just like it's uh, what? I, you should be able to be into. I don't understand why they don't do both. Why don't you just let us? I, I don't understand. It's I, yeah, advertising money, dollars, it's money, but yeah. <laughs> but it, it's because you, you live with these guys. Uh, they don't get to do the most important games yeah, of the yeah, year. Like, sorry, I want to listen to Gary, Heath, and Ron die during uh, the World Series. You like you take Howie and Wayne because yeah. you know you're not going to get TV for sure. No, you're not getting TV for sure. But I would just having because then what I would do is I would just mute the TV broadcast and listen to the radio. And then people have done that for years. As a matter of fact, back in the day when the M. NBA did that. People, Nick fans would listen to Marv Albert do the radio broadcast, so they didn't have to listen. Watch pe- the guys people do, do the that TV. today when it's on Apple TV. Yeah. <laughs> yes, that, that's true. So um, if if you don't listen to a lot of baseball on the radio and you're a baseball fan, give it a try. But more importantly, go to other markets. So I listen to because if you have you have something like the MLB app, you can basically go into other and you want to hear homers. Oh my goodness! You listen to some of these guys it's call really, the games it's like, like so interesting. It's like hearing it completely or just like, like oh, like, wow. So, so is my guy that bad? You know, because when I hear them calling, like, you know, like, oh, that's a terrible call and we're down. So, like, you know, there's a whole we aspect of being exactly. the radio team that doesn't happen in the TV. Yeah. Right? I don't think that's true. So there's it's we on the radio. Yeah. You know, it's 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 that. We, uh, another tough inning for us. <laughs> exactly. So uh, listen to a game. Thanks for listening. Subscribe to our podcast on your favorite platform. And you can follow us on Twitter at Almost Hoops.